Hey there, everyone. It is Jeff from Modern Combat and Survival. Welcome to podcast episode number 222. Now, for those of you who are longtime listeners of our show, you may have heard an evolution of my philosophies on self-protection. I mean, the more I experience, train, and study real-life attacks, the more I've come to realize that the most critical key to survivability in any scenario comes down to the actions that you take right at that moment of attack and the seconds leading up to it. Now, of course, technique is a factor here, right? I mean, the, the strikes that you've trained in, your pistol draw stroke, yada, yada, yada. But I would argue that even more critical is your ability to override a few hundred thousand years of genetic programming that causes most people to freeze up when attacked and instead take fast, decisive action at that moment where there's no turning back. Sound like an impossibility? Well, not after today's guest interview, and it's all coming right up. But first, don't forget to grab this week's show notes, including our handy-dandy one-page cheat sheet covering all the major points that you need to know. You can download it all absolutely free just by going to www.mcsmagazine.com slash 222. And now, let's talk tactics. Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. Human existence really isn't that hard to figure out. At the bottom line, most basic level, as humans, we have one solitary purpose, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. It's to survive. In fact, your body has certain biological responses to dangerous threats, often referred to in the tactical world as fight, flight, or freeze, that are literally hardwired into you for the sole purpose of giving you the absolute best chance to avoid becoming prey to the predators in our environment, whether that's a saber-toothed tiger creeping around for his next meal or a criminal attacker creeping around the shopping mall parking lot looking for his next victim. Unfortunately, Fight, flight, or freeze isn't just something that you read about and decide that you're a fighter. We're talking about biological processes in your body that just can't be switched off because you decide you're a badass. That's why military units, police, and special operations teams like SWAT train in specific ways to wire the brain to react quickly and decisively to any threat that presents itself. To achieve this level of tactical proficiency, though, you've got to do the work now. And that's exactly what we're here to do today in this week's episode. Hello, everyone. This is Jeff Anderson, editor for Modern Combat Survival Magazine and executive director of the New World Patriot Alliance with another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. And with us today to talk about how to be the master of your body's fast action tactical response is actually a new member of our network, but he's been a friend of mine for a few years now and somebody I've been actually trying to get on the show for quite a while, Todd Lamb. Todd, welcome to the program. Hey, Jeff. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, finally really happy to be here. Finally have you on. Awesome. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a long road, but I'm glad to finally get your uh, your training out to our audience. Uh, listen, everybody, some of you may have seen me write some articles about Todd's training in the past, and I've been a big fan. I mean, this guy that, he's a guy that really walks the talk. Uh, Todd's a former military paratrooper and a 17-year veteran of the police force, including a role as SWAT team leader with over 350 completed missions under his belt. In addition, Todd has also been a two-time champion canine dog handler and a member of his police dive unit. He holds a laundry list of certifications involving tactical leadership, weapons expertise, warfare and hostage rescue tactics, shooting and dog training, tactical strength and conditioning, 
And frankly, his resume is, is pretty damn exhausting to read, but it's all well captured in some of his best selling publications and training programs out there that he's now released to the tactical community for law enforcement, military, and civilians. And to learn more about Todd and his training, make sure that you go visit him online at www.alphanationtactical.com. Um, so, Todd, we were, you and I were having a conversation, uh, like tactical chit chat, and we were talking about, like, I'm always curious what people see as the, like, the, um, like deciding factors. Like, what are, like, the, the real keys, the critical keys to surviving a real attack? And, and, and I, and I loved your response, and it was really about how to overcome that freeze response, because those are natural, responses that we have. And and I know this is something that you do a lot in your training, both in your own personal training as well as what you, you get out to other people. So so I wanted to start by asking you, when it comes to overcoming the body's free response, and we're talking about natural something that's natural, like it's built in, it's not like you can just press a button and it's gone, but how why is this such a critical factor for surviving? And and is there really anything that can be done to overcome something that's been a part of our DNA since we were all walking around in loincloths? Yeah, I mean, it is, you know, what you're talking about there is tonical immobility, which is that is hardwired into our DNA. And what we found um, through history, through training, um, through analysis of critical incidents over and over and over again, the people that. Uh, were successful in those encounters were those that have gone through processes uh, that are mental and physical rehearsal, not just so much in terms of um, a, a single task, but an entire operation and not so much just in a skill set, but from a physical standpoint, they stand ready uh, to do battle on any given day through good physical preparation. From there, a process of visualization and, um, there's, there's certain things that, that we can talk about moving forward here around visualization that I've had people do slightly differently than, than what, um, a lot of, you know, just straight, uh, rehearsal looks like. And then just ongoing stress inoculation training that, that to me, preparing your mind, uh, to, to take the steps necessary. Uh, to win that encounter uh, are critical to your success. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And, and this has been something that has been um, it's been a it's been a long journey for me to come to the realization that I think even in some cases even more so than the skills that you you train in like the actual techniques. Um, to me, it's like it's always that it's the very it's un, it's understanding when when you're actually in a fight because we've seen this in in fights yeah. that are caught on tape we've we've seen this in attacks it, it's when the criminal predator like they're already past the point of they know they're going to attack you but it's that when people freeze when you don't realize that you're in a fight you're automatically on the defense which is not a good place to be so overcoming that is a, is a huge thing but it's not really taught in a lot of tactical training programs it, we are taught techniques, right? And so I think it's really, really important that you have techniques that you've developed specifically for overcoming that response and being able to know when you're in this fight and then how to take fast action so that you survive. And so, so I want to, I do want to dig into, into these uh, a little bit deeper. So you brought up like, um, you know, mental rehearsal and vision and visualization. I remember 
I was speaking or not speaking. I was speaking with Chuck Norris. No, I, I was actually reading uh, one of Chuck <laughs> Norris's biographies. I wish I was talking to Chuck, but uh, and it was you know it was something that he did, and and you see a lot of people do this, whether they're public speakers or or somebody that's going to be um that's going into a stressful event, using mental rehearsal and visualization as a tool to be able to prepare themselves for that event. So let's talk about that first. What are some ways that people can employ mental rehearsal and visualization into their tactical training to be better prepared to overcome that freeze response? Yeah, so this is such a critical component to success. And when we talk about mental rehearsal, often people will discuss, you know, walking through whether it's you're planning a mission or you are planning uh, how your speech is going to go. But um, that's kind of just one small component. You, When you are actually in that situation and visualizing it and truly visualizing it, where um, we shift gears extensively in terms of, of how our minds are going to uh, react or um, how that event is going to play out is instead of just mentally rehearsing the rote steps, you know, ram strike store, number one enters, number two uh, reads off number one. What we do is ask people to attach the emotion to that. So on a good operation, what it actually smells like, what it feels like, what are the sounds when you hear the ram strike the door? Or what is, what is the, um, sound when, or the feeling when you've got, uh, somebody in a lock or an, uh, a lateral neck restraint, restraint? What is the sound they're making? You know, every aspect of the operation, it's not good enough just to go through the steps until you attach the emotion to it. And you can do that by sitting on your couch, thinking about that operation from start to finish or thinking about that encounter from start to finish um, and then start to feel what that encounter feels like. You will actually get a physical response. And the interesting thing about attaching the emotion is that there's been so many studies done on the brain when you couple the two processes of visualization and attaching the emotion, your frontal lobe, fires and it actually changes the way that your brain rewires and so you're seeing that event as it's actually happened and I, and it's i mean i could tell you story after story about physical or about um critical incidents and uh lethal force encounters where had i not gone through that process or visualized how that might unfold in terms of the steps i was going to take and react to uh when when that bad guy came my way with a gun I may not be sitting here having this conversation with you, but that's how critical it is to to make that nexus between those two components of a violent encounter. Yeah, it's interesting when you when you think about it, right? Like, let's say that you got attacked in the parking lot, right? Like somebody came in and robbed you as you're getting into your car. Um, that's a stressful event. You, you your 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 heart's racing, like all that stuff happens. The guy runs off. Wouldn't it be great if you could do a do over, right? It's like, damn, I did not respond the way that I wanted to. I wasn't as aware as I should have been. I wasn't this. I didn't, I, I, I didn't position myself or correctly or whatever it is. Wouldn't it be great to have a do over yeah. and just like be like Superman, fly, fly really fast around the planet, make it all go backwards. And all of a sudden, okay, do over. Now yeah. you know you're going to get it, get it well. But what you're, what you're saying is if you can, if you can really kind of 
get yourself to feel that fight, flight, or freeze response, get the adrenaline going, get the heart racing, things like that. Yeah. Feel that emotion that that is kind of like your, it's your do ahead in a way, right? Rather than a do over. Nobody wants to do over, but it's a really good do ahead. Now, how do you attach, like, what emotion are we trying to instill with this? Most people want to feel confidence, right? But, but when you're surprised, you want to feel, go ahead. Sure. Yeah. You want to, you want to feel, um, things like, uh, what it feels like to be powerful, what it feels like. Um, the emotion afterwards is a very good, that sense of relief that you've survived that day, that, that, uh, sense of accomplishment, that overwhelming sense of being effective, knowing your skills, deploying them the way that you want and just having uh, we've all succeeded in our lives and we all have that emotion, that memory of that emotion in our brain. So you just draw on, on what that felt like every time you've had a success or every time even um, the emotion of delivering a good strike where you've had that internal dialogue and you're like, yeah, that that was good. And you think about that, you feel good about it. And so that's what I mean by just attaching the emotional component uh, to, to the visualization and to the mental rehearsal. You just draw on all of those things. We, we, you know, we've been around long enough. We know what happiness feels like. We know, um, you know, all of those emotions that run through uh, our bodies in a physical encounter. And so we highlight the ones that, that we want and stay focused on, on seeing that outcome and feeling that outcome. That's interesting. So I would have thought actually the opposite. Like, of course, we want to feel that after like after our training while that was, you know, that instilled some new skills or new tactics or I'm, I'm better prepared now than I was. But my thought process was like, um, if you want to kind of inoculate to yourself to this stress that you're trying to instill the fear ahead of time or, you know, you're trying to instill and like bring out that emotion of fear to get the so that you understand what that is and then trained to overcome it but that's different than what you're saying so which how is 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 it better to sit before our training and visualize confidence and and i'm gonna i'm gonna go through the motions i'm gonna do it the right way and like seeing all of that or is it better to bring up the fear bring up the the heart rate bring up the adrenaline and then train because because that becomes familiar yeah, sure. So you're, you're kind of, you're, you're starting to touch on that sort of that reality based training, those elements that will exist. I can assure you that when it comes, the ice is going to go in your veins no matter, no matter whether you think about it or not. So, um, that's, that's the autonomic response that, that we have and, and fear, as you alluded to early on in, in the discussion, it kind of takes on two components. It's either acute where, um, you're responding to an immediate threat or something that's more disastrous where it's that chronic or pathological fear that is debilitating to you as a human being. Not quite what we're talking about here, but in terms of seeing an operation successfully, feeling the emotion about how that went, high five in the guys after you take the bad guys into custody or you've, you've won that, um, that day. Those are the things that I'm talking about. I can tell you, um, one of the things that I, concentrated on focused on religiously and and to your point around situational awareness and being prepared um, I often would visualize what my reaction would be if uh, you know a traffic stop 
somebody popped out and they started running at, at me with a gun. You know, hard to reverse. Gun comes out. Radio comes on. Gun. Backwards. All of those steps. And I can tell you that without a doubt that that happened and my body responded the exact same way I rehearsed it. And even to the extent that uh, I felt like I was gaining the distance, the time and the distance to uh, take that shot if I needed to make better decisions, all of those important factors in, in a lethal force encounter. But what I did was I don't the fear's coming anyways. I, I know that what I want to focus on, on is that emotion around executing perfectly every aspect of that encounter. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, listen, everybody, we've been talking with Todd Lamb of AlphaNationTactical.com about how to train effectively to turn freeze into fight when you're forced to defend yourself in a violent attack. We've got a lot more coming up, including how to take your training to the next level to make it more fun and effective. I'm also going to be asking about solo tactical training for those of you without the luxury of a SWAT team to high five after the fact. And finally, how to make stress inoculation a regular part of your tactical training plan to keep your skills at peak level throughout the year. All that and more coming right up, but first, check out this special message. What if everything you knew about how to stop a violent attacker with your gun was wrong? Discover the advanced tactics you must know now to protect yourself and those you love with a firearm. Check out our free book, Stopping Power Secrets. Inside, you'll find such no-hold-barred shockers as 1. The three most common myths and misinformation shoveled out by movies and gun range know-it-alls that could get you killed in a real-life gunfight. 2. The cold, hard truth about your personal weapon's ability to be a one-shot man-stopper. 3. What coroners know about selecting the right ammo for your firearm that you don't. 4. And the simple training trick used by Abrams tank crews and commercial airline pilots that will prepare you for a real attack even better than your best day at the range don't place your family safety in the hands of hollywood fairy tales and hearsay claim your free copy of stopping power secrets now now at www.stoppingpowersecrets.com and now back to the show Okay, we're back with Todd Lamb of AlphaNationTactical.com talking about how to add stress inoculation to your tactical training in order to overcome the body's natural fight, flight, or freeze response and quickly respond to an attack. Let's go ahead and jump back in our interview now. So, so Todd, one of the things we always talk about with our, our tra- tactical training is to make it as realistic as possible, right? Like we oftentimes, even when it comes to like especially for uh, like firearms training, you know, yes, go to, go to the range, get your target practice in at the, in your little lane in the stationary target. And it's, it's two dimensional paper. That's a whole lot different than when you are, you know, all of a sudden you're in the middle of a home invasion and some guy's busting through your front door and your wife is screaming in the back, right? Like the more realistic you can make your training, the more to your point, when it comes to stress inoculation, that's not unfamiliar anymore. It's not like you're freezing because this is all new senses that I have to go through. So, so realistic training and it is so much easier for SWAT teams and stuff like that. But what can the average person do um, to make their training as realistic as possible? What are some, what are some tricks? I mean, RVT stuff is, um, is, is critical to setting that stage so that you know what it, it sounds and feels like. As you as you highlight, so things like the speed at which you train, um, if it's if you're if you're training, um, you know, combative skills, 
get suited up in something that is going to allow you to train in that 80 to 95% threshold. I mean, we, we still have to take care of our training partners. We don't want to send guys to work Monday with, you know, broken fingers, broken wrists, anything like that. Um, if you are using, um, well, you can use um, paint FX uh, for firearms encounters. Again, making sure that you're properly uh, kitted. But pain, as soon as you introduce that pain of a, of a paint round coming down, down range at you, that changes guys' decision-making. Suddenly they're flinching. I'll tell you, it's, it's going to look a lot different when that's, uh, you know, coming down from, you know, 2,305 feet per second out of a 223 or something like that. You need to be able to, to know what pain feels like. If you've got uh, access to even for knife defense stuff, electric knives, that kind of thing, that really amps things up. The second part of reality-based training is, is like you uh, discussed earlier, adding that physical element. So getting that heart rate elevated, going for a loop beforehand, it's still, it, it doesn't quite get there, but what it does do is really exercises that parasympathetic nervous system as you start to work through making those decisions and recover, um, you know, you are able to make better decisions, recover quicker, so you can make that next bound, you can make that next leap. Um, those kinds of things in terms of, of creating a high degree of reality are just some of the, the very simple and uh, low-cost things that you can do. Yeah. Yeah. Airsoft is another thing for those people who don't have like simunitions and things like that or access to that. Um, even just grabbing. Uh, I mean, look, it hurts. You know, it's sting- well, it stings. Yeah. I know a bunch of guys are talking. You big totally it's a freaking airsoft pistol. I get it. But it's enough to let you know, oh, hell, I should have been a little bit quicker there or that stings or I would have gotten shot there. It, it's just, sure. a, just a little bit of a wake up call. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's interesting. We always, you know, you're coming out, you're, you're, especially, um, in our profession, you're coming out center of mass. Well, that just happens to be where my draw is too. I'm always getting hit in the knuckles. And that's really interesting to me. I mean, maybe not so much in a, in a bad guy encounter because who knows what their skill set is, but certainly, um, you know, a skilled shooter who's coming center of mass, you know, chances are you, you're either going to take it in the gun or a hand. So you, you do those scenarios, you build those scenarios where you're doing off-handed shooting, you're doing strong-handed only shooting, even, uh, reloads if, if you can, um, get somewhere to, to be able to do that stuff when your heart rate's at a high level and, you know, those gross motor skills are the only things you have left. You know, you bring up a really good, uh, you just got my, my brain thinking there in order to make this realistic is, um, a, a couple of things just that I, that I notice in training, right? So, you know, there's the people that it's like, okay, we're going to use airsoft guns. I'll just use that as an example. And it's like, um, oh, you got me. You're like, okay, I got stung. All right. Let's, all right. Let's do the next drill or let's start over. Let's try it again or whatever. There are no, there are no like, hold on, time out, time out, time out, bad guy. I, let me let me do that again because you just shot me in the shoulder or you shot me in the hand because you shot center mass. Yeah. When instead you you really you've got to be able to fight through these things anyway, right? So if you are yeah. with somebody and you're you are using airsoft and you're doing force on force training and you feel yourself get stung in your in your you know your yeah. uh, your main shooting hand, 
don't just say, Oh, you got me. Let's, let's do it again. No, like you have, your hand is shot. Like, like take that hand out of the fight and now recover from that. Are you going to get to cover? Are you going to be able to shoot offhand? You know, those are, those are the realities that you're getting an opportunity to train in now before they're actual bullets shooting off your, you know, your trigger finger. Um, but those are important yeah. things, right? If your gun gets shot, maybe it's out of commission. Maybe you've got to now go to hand to hand or a backup knife or something, but it does take a little bit of like, uh, you've got to kind of come out of your, the, the box in a way of, of thinking what that you, like your training isn't fluid. It's not dynamic. It's, it's one static thing. And it, and it shouldn't be because fights and attacks aren't static, right? They're dynamic. Yeah. We, we always say the, the battle space is 360 degrees and given an opportunity, you train like you play or you play like you train. Um, the, the necessity for you to finish that drill. A lot of people don't, if, if again, it's, it's not just this one linear thing. Boom. Like you said, you've got me. It is, you know, if I, if I'm, if I'm that kind of guy and I'm that kitted up and I've got a primary shoulder fired weapon and then I've got my, my, um, nine mil and a leg holster and I take one in the hands, maybe I, I'm not, now that gun's out of commission. You still got to live. Can you actually draw a level three holster from your offhand? I'd like to see that on a guy do that from either on a waist holster, a concealed holster, or have they ever drilled that? That is the re- reality based stuff that is so critical because we all, you know, we all read about these guys are like, yeah, I carry. That's one thing. Let's see how you are in a gun battle and how quick your draws. Are you, you know, quick, sure, quick as you come up on that bad guy? Are you um, ready to react if he, you know, mows you over before you get that weapon out with a knife? All of these kinds of things. Just got to be creative in training and, and amp it up as, as much as you can. Yeah. You know, I know there's people out there, Todd, that are saying, oh, that's great. You you have an entire SWAT team that you can train with. That's awesome. Yeah. You have simulations training and shock knives, you know, which I've always wanted a shock <laughs> knife. But I think it's about like that's about four Christmases worth of uh, of gifts for me. That thing's not, <laughs> not cheap. Right. So um, but obviously it's it's great to have training partners like this. But a lot of people don't have training partners for especially when you're talking about realistic type stuff. Right. Because that's a, you're looking for a dedicated yeah. training partner. Are there things that somebody can do if they're, if they don't have a training partner? Are there things that they can do solo if, uh, that, that, that will help them to inoculate themselves specifically for distress inoculation and overcoming that freeze? Is there, are there sure. things that somebody can do if they're, if they're just training solo? The, the very first thing I would say, um, is increase your level of situational awareness at a, at a very basic level. Be aware, plug in. Man, we are walking around with, in a world that is unplugged and it, it's no surprise that, um, you know, some of the things that do happen can probably be prevented by one person being alert. So at, at a very basic level, I really encourage people to, to plug back in and in, improve their level of situational awareness. Now, now as far as skills go, um, absolutely running through the physical motions of whatever it is that you're learning. If you want to be a quicker draw, then get, get on the draw as frequently as you can, uh, in different positions. If you want to be, um, completely dialed in, in, um, some combatives, then you want to 
punch through those combatives as frequently as you can on your own. Then you want to visualize that process, visualize that gun coming out of, you know, you're clearing leather, whatever level you've got holster, if it's a one, two or three, you're clearing that it's coming up smooth. You know, you've got good presentation time, good set time, and then you're on the bad guy. Visualize that happening, seeing center of mass, delivering uh, as many rounds as necessary to stop that threat. Um, from there, you can use training aids. If you're doing combatives and you only have the skills to do, um, try and get a hold of a, of a weighted, not so much a weighted dummy, but at least a weight so that you know what it feels like to move 200 pounds. That's not easy, especially if it's, you know, uh, resisting. That That's a feat. So even the fact that it's dead weight, get, get to understand what it feels like to move that. And then there's another beautiful tool that's so accessible to all of us, and that's video. Video yourself doing those things. When when I see my draw sometimes and I see that, that barrel come up and it's canted just ever so slightly, that's a quarter of a second to an eighth of a second that's going to give me uh, – the edge in, in, uh, let's say if it, if it's a lethal force encounter and I need to understand the mechanics of that. Uh, if you're talking about, um, weapons handling skills, same thing, really look at your footwork, look at what you're doing. Video is so critical and it, it's, um, it's easily accessible to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. One of the other things we talked about in the past too is, um, is, is in, if you know, like, if you have firearms, like join a, a competitive league or, um, you know, just get in, get into actual competitive shooting. And because that's like, you have to perform, right? Like you, people are watching you and people, people don't like to be watched on stuff, right? That always ups the, uh, the adrenaline there, but it is a, it's not an exact replication of being on the battlefield or being in a gunfight, but it certainly does uh, increase the, uh, the pucker factor there and, and really gets you, um, it's just good training. And, and it's like, doesn't even matter if you come in last that's if you're looking at it as training that's that's, it can be very valuable training there so um but it does take uh, somebody with some some cojones to to get out there and and be able to be willing to make mistakes in front of critical people right but um i've always found people to be um pretty supportive anyway but anyway i digress um well, you know, when we talk about uh, these these skills, right, they're not – I think you even said it before. It's like it's not one and done. Um, these are things that you really – got. it's not like, oh, I mastered it, done deal. I don't have to do anything anymore. Um, but those experiences do kind of pile up, and they and they make you – you can learn from past experiences. One of the things I've talked about um, I think a few times maybe in, in previous podcasts was um, early in my tactical training career. I was, I was out of the military, though, but – but, but it wasn't like, um, I was walking with my son who was only, I don't remember how old he was, maybe like three years old or so at the time, uh, next to the playground. And this, this panel van pulls up, like screeches to a halt and the door slides open and this guy comes running out at me and I froze. I absolutely froze right in my tracks because it didn't make sense. Like the guy could, he, all he did was hand out a card for lawn mowing. But he left and I was still kind of in shock that I was so, I was so frozen. Like if he, if he was coming out with a taser, he would have just, he could have just stuck it right in my forehead. And I, it's almost like I wouldn't have done a damn thing except watch my son go off in a paneled van somewhere as I'm twitching on the ground, right? Like it, I beat myself up to death after that 
that, that encounter. But I learned from that also. Like I would much rather stop that guy in his tracks, shove him whatever I need to do, um, and then, you know, listen to him cry, wait a minute, I just wanted to mow your lawn, rather than actually freeze like that again, right? So how can we make how can we make this part of our lifestyle? How can we make this a tactical skill that that we have to depend on on a daily basis? What are some ways that we can make that? Because we don't, we're not always going to be out there training in airsoft with somebody or going 90% with somebody who's all padded up. But how can we, how can we make this um, really part of our regular practice, our regular training to keep it at peak levels as much as possible? Yeah, I mean, that's the beauty of these things. They're, as you, you highlight, they're, they're, they are perishable skills. There's no, no two ways about it. And I mean, what you described there with your son, uh, man, there's not too many people that can survive an ambush. I know I have done hundreds of pedestrian assaults and we have scared the shit out of every one of those guys. I don't care how well they think they were prepared. Um, Speed, aggression, surprise carried the day. So I would say as as just a, a very basic level of tactical preparedness, you want to kind of pick one thing and you want that one or two things tops because you're not going to remember more than that in, in a violent encounter that are gross motor skill related. If it's a draw, then it's a draw. If it's a knee strike, then it's a knee strike. If you're just absolutely good at getting inside somebody's window and, and, you know, taking them by the throat, then do that. But have that in your head that as soon as that door pops open, this is your first, you know, you're going to adopt the stance uh, that we all do, but that's your first motion. And don't, you cannot complicate it. I would keep it as simple as something uh, like a knee strike or, um, you know, a strike to the lateral femoral, something of that nature that is uh, gross motor skill and, and doesn't occupy a ton of uh, the the cells in our brain because I'll tell you, in that moment, you're spending so much time trying to make sense of what it is that you're seeing that you just, all you can do is really rely on, on one or two key um, moves, responses, whatever you want to call them, to protect that individual that you're with or protect yourself. Yeah. The other thing I, I just started, um, I, I just had a conversation with one of our members of our New World Patriot Alliance also. We have, we do like, we have one-on-one coaching opportunities as well. And, um, somebody, I was just talking with one of our members about this and, um, about, about how to actually stay in that level of awareness, right? Like we know we're all supposed to be in yellow zone all the time, but that, that's, it's oftentimes difficult to do, right? There's not ninjas jumping out of the trees all the time to keep us on our toes, right? So, um, but I always just tell, tell people that when I did back when I used to do bodyguard work, I, when I was on the job, I was on the job and it was just a constant state of paranoia. It's like, you can't go in there like, Oh, humdy, humdy, hum. I guess I'm, I'm watching the guy. Okay. I'm opening the door. Okay. I'm waiting outside the hotel room. It's, it's gotta be a mental state of look, the, the, nin, the, the monkey ninja assassins are plotting right now. Like there's an ambush coming on my watch. It's just a matter of, when it's going to be and and how it's going to be. And so you're on, you're, you're constantly in that state of where's it going to be? Where's it going to be? What am I going to do? Am I, am I driving the right, am I in the right lane? Am I, all of that stuff is happening all the time, which is mentally exhausting and nobody can do that 
all the time. So one thing I, do, I was just talking with one of our members was to basically put yourself on the job just for an errand. Like I'm going to the shopping mall. But think of yourself from the standpoint of I'm going with my spouse and I am I'm her bodyguard. Somebody is going to attack her at the mall. Somebody is plotting right now, but my client needs new shoes. For my wife, that's 365 days a year, right? So, so we go to the mall and it's like, I'm, I'm, that's my job right there. From the time that we, we leave the house, we, we get in the car, we drive there, we're in the parking lot. But, um, just to stay for that, for those couple of hours in that mode of, I'm on a protection detail right now is just a good little exercise for just giving yourself some of that exposure rather than just being all talk. You know what I mean? Man, I, I love that. I, you know, it is, um, I am always, I just try to touch a little bit. I don't want to live a life of being paranoid, but I'll tell you when I am in a crowd, I am checking hands. I am looking at how people are dressed and how they're behaving. If, you know, I, I have the luxury, my wife's still on the job as well. Um, I'm, I'm done, but she's still, she's got a couple of years left. But we can have we can just have that look. We you know that that somebody is either in a psychotic episode, um, which in my opinion are are the most dangerous people that you will deal with in the street, um, or somebody just is out of place. And what is it about the the environment that they're in um, that they don't look like they belong there? So I always like to have that that spinning just at a low level. I like to know where my exits are. Um, you know, we're facing threats of, of active shooters every day. You know, it it is a responsibility to be able to at least know where there's an avenue of escape, where there's uh, maybe even some concealment. If you need to hide while you find cover, something of that nature. Um, but it's it's everybody's responsibility. And if, if you want to be a part of this community and be a part of this training, then it's your responsibility to plug in and and own those environments to the degree that you can be effective. You're not just some pylon in the room that's, you know, not doing anything to mitigate the situation. So I love rolling through places and just seeing what I see. I I find it more entertaining than being somebody's wallet. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, great stuff, Todd. Really, I mean, this is um, this is a, a topic that's I'm really I'm really passionate about. I know it's not as as cool and sexy as doing the uh, you know, the triple double double somersault kick while you're you know you have guns a blazing, but um, but I really do see this as a critical survival factor when it comes to any any kind of attack, whether it's armed or unarmed. And I really appreciate you taking some time for us today. Uh, listen, everybody, uh, Todd, Todd's. Todd's training really is top notch and uh, they're really good about getting the training out there as well. Doing, he's doing a lot more video work. There's a lot of video courses that are coming out now. Um, I know he's been working a ton on this stuff. So you definitely want to make sure that you stay up to date on what he's got coming out because um, this, this kind of, this level of tactical training is, is somewhat hard to come by and there's a lot of great stuff for you to train in there. So make sure that you go check out his website over at www.alphanationtactical.com. And until our next broadcast, this is Jeff Anderson saying prepare, train, and survive. This is 
ultimate modern combat and survival. survival. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes and leaving a comment. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash modern combat and survival. And don't forget to claim your free subscription to Modern Combat and Survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com. Lock and load. And we'll see you next time. This has been Modern Combat and Survival.